0: It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic
1: conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might
0: get uncomfortable starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Today is a very unique episode not to say that our none of our episodes are unique they all are in their own way but there's a lot going on today as of the day that we're recording this so if you are new to our show or you know perhaps did not realize this about podcasts but a lot of them including our show are recorded in advance and we're recording this episode on Saturday November 7th 2020 and it has been a really big day and a really big week. It's also been a really big year. And gosh, I can't believe it's November. Somebody actually mentioned December to me yesterday. And I, in my head, thought, oh, well, that's months away. And then it occurred to me that December is next month, which is pretty crazy. So today is a really big day for us in the United States. I think most of our listeners are based in the US as well. Joe Biden was announced as president-elect. Kamala Harris was announced as vice president-elect, which is huge. It has been a really intense year and an intense four years. If you are Democratic like Jason and I are, then it feels like a big celebration. And I certainly wish sometimes I I knew more Republicans because I feel very out of touch with how they're feeling. So if you are listening as a Republican, I first of all, want to thank you for listening because I think it's very easy for us to feel like we're choosing sides and we can kind of relate to each other more if we have the same political beliefs if we vote for the same people and we we did a whole episode about the election and at the end of it we talked about who we were voting for and it feels like yesterday that i was just prepping for voting and sending in my mail in ballot from Massachusetts where i was at the time technically i actually dropped it off in Connecticut and it got very safely to Los Angeles within just a few days and that was a relief. But then we were on this roller coaster and election day felt very different this year, mainly because we didn't really have any clear path in front of us in terms of who was gonna win. And that was a few days ago, but well, actually about five days ago, I suppose, four or five days ago. And it's just felt like we've all been holding our breath no matter who you were hoping to win. It's a little bit of a relief no matter what. I mean, it's it's a big relief for those of us who were rooting for Biden because Our beliefs are very tied into that. Our emotions are very tied in. And then I also wasn't really expecting today to be most moved by Kamala's win. I mean, it's it's really huge. I don't think I took enough time to step back and focus on her. And being the first female vice president in our country is really huge. But she's also a person of color, and we've had very few of them <laughs> at the top of our government in this way. And it's just, it's a big deal this year, given everything that this country has gone through. And I hope that this leads to a good start for us in 2021. Although, as Jason and I were talking about, offline. Well, technically, we are online, but off air is a better word. We don't know what the next few weeks or months hold for us. And it could get really rocky. But we've also made it through a really intense year and a lot of things that we weren't expecting. And that's been very uncomfortable. So it's it's a good theme for our show. Today's episode is about how to overcome fear and believe in yourself during times of doubt stress or negativity. And it's also, I believe, I have to double check this. I meant to do this before we started recording, but I'm going to do it right now as I'm saying these words. I believe it's World Kindness Week. Yes, it started on Friday, November 13th. So as the time that you, the listener, are hearing this, it is either World Kindness Week or you're listening after that happened (laughs) because we never know when you're listening to these episodes. But I, I think that is an incredible topic for us for many reasons. So one, as as I just kind of covered, it's been a stressful time. This week has been stressful. It's been a stressful year. It's been a stressful four years for some of us. And there's also a lot of personal doubt, stress and negativity that we've experienced. And it's very timely given what Jason has gone through. So I'm going to pass the mic over to him virtually because... If you, the listener, have not subscribed to our newsletter, you may not know this yet. I'm not even sure how much you've talked about this on social media, Jason, because I know you were planning on taking time off social media as of November 1st. And then you had a big surprise on November 1st that you certainly weren't expecting at all. So, I'd love for you to give a little summary of what you've been through in the past week and that can lead us into this discussion because what you experienced on November 1st was certainly something very scary and over the past week you've expressed a lot of stress, negativity, and perhaps even some doubt. So, let's begin by talking about what happened to you almost a week ago.
1: Yeah, it's funny how we play this game as human beings of we think we know what's going to happen. We've talked about themes of uncertainty here on the show many times and how for all of our best laid plans and our attempts to predict things or manipulate outcomes, we ultimately have, in my opinion, so little control. And some people may disagree with that. Some people are on very much the manifestation train and that we're, we're always creating our own reality. My beliefs in this regard are are... Kind of a little more aqueous and fluid in the sense that the more that I think that I have control over outcomes in life, the more I realize that in my personal experience, life is showing me I really don't. I have control over my attitude and whether I'm going to react or respond to a situation, but the outcome, not so much. That's my current personal belief system. So this past, well, at the time of this recording, the past Sunday on November 1st, I was out for a motorcycle ride with my friend, Kevin. Who's a, a medical doctor, and it was a beautiful, crisp fall day. It was about seventy three degrees. I mean, as blue skies as one can hope for in LA right now, considering the recent wildfires. But it was just a beautiful, beautiful day, and we went to uh, Highland Park, which is a neighborhood in East Los Angeles, and picked up some tea and some uh, hojicha lattes at this really, really great uh, little cafe in Highland Park. And we're just riding around very leisurely. Got a vegan bagel sandwich down the street, and was going to go to the Melrose Place Farmer's Market to visit my girlfriend, Laura. And we were taking a detour actually after we had our coffee and tea and breakfast sandwiches. And he said, hey, have you ever ever been riding up to Montecito Heights? And that's again, another small suburb east side neighborhood in Los Angeles, which is for anyone who has never been to LA, it's if you imagine the Hollywood Hills that are kind of like tight, smaller roads, the very windy and hilly, with houses that are kind of overlooking the city, that's Montecito Heights. It's a different part than the Hollywood Hills, but if you have the archetype of that neighborhood in your mind, you pretty have a good feel or flavor for what Montecito Heights looks like. So I'd never ridden up there before, Whitney. It was a new road for me, and we were up there and going through the hills and, and the curves and whatnot, and you know there was this this kind of open space where to the right of me was a bunch of dirt and kind of clearing in between houses on my right-hand side. And we were going up, a again, a, it's a residential neighborhood. This is not a freeway. This is not a main road. So just to paint everyone's mind in everyone's picture. Sorry, the picture in everyone's mind. <laughs> I'm on drugs, guys. You'll find out why in a second, why I'm on drugs. So the street is curving left. It's not a hairpin, but it's, it's a, a semi-tighter Sweeper to the left, but nothing I haven't done hundreds of times. So a little bit of backstory: I've been riding motorcycles for over twenty years. I got my original certification in May of the year two thousand, and I've had what have I had seven motorcycles over the years. So I'm a really experienced rider. I'm confident on the motorcycle. I feel good on the motorcycle. I don't take chances on it. So you know, keep all this in mind that as I'm riding, like I'm feeling just really chill, and this is the kind of left-hand curve or turn that I've done hundreds of times, Whitney over 20 years, maybe thousands. I don't know. So I'm going into it and I'm, I'm looking at the road and I'm seeing the left turn. And I start to lean the bike to the left because whenever you're making a turn on a motorcycle, you lean your body weight a little bit to the left. And I realized that as I was going into the, the bottom of the turn and starting to go left, I, I hit the brakes too late. Essentially, much like if you're doing a car, or you're doing a motorcycle, you want to hit the brakes before you enter a curve so your speed is lower so you can go through the turn slower, right? whether that's any motorized vehicle. I think what happened for me was I hit the brakes too late in the sense that I was still going too fast as I was starting to enter the turn. And I had a moment where I tried to course correct and my bike ended up getting out of the turn and going straight. I hit the curb, my bike went over the curb and i flew off the bike and landed on my right hand side so the bike is tipped over on the ground next to the road it's off the road i'm off road and my body is slumped over on my right side and it's a really interesting feeling first of all this is the first time i've ever crashed a motorcycle i've never had a motorcycle down i've never crashed in 20 years never even had like a close call of like oh my god so i'm on the ground i'm watching the bike the bike is still going like in terms of the engine still going and i have this moment of like oh god So immediately Kevin turns the bike around. He comes back. He's like, oh my God, what happened? You know, he stops his bike, comes over, and he's like, okay, don't move. Just don't move. Just don't move. And he's a medical doctor. So what better person to have on a motorcycle ride than a medical doctor? And he's trying to stabilize my head. He's like, Okay, can you you know, can you get up? And he's he's getting me up slow. He's like, What's your name? When were you born? What year is it? You know, he's asking me kind of all these basic cognition questions. And I'm like, I'm checking for blood at this point. You know, I'm, I'm like feeling my face. I'm feeling my body. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, is there any blood coming out? Am I okay? And realize that my basic cognition skills are there. I'm not bleeding, but I know something's wrong because my right side is in incredible pain. And I start, you know, just feeling my body. And I was like, kind of okay until I felt my right shoulder and clavicle area and then felt my bones popping out of my skin. And at that point, I start hyperventilating. I start really kind of freaking out. And Kevin was such a godsend. He's like, dude, you got to stay calm. You got to breathe, breathe with me. And he's literally like doing long, slow rhythmic breaths with me because I I can feel my bone protruding from my skin at this point, which is, yeah. I mean, that kind of sent me over the edge. So, at this point, he's calming me down. I'm on the ground and he's like, okay, do you need me to call you an ambulance? And I'm kind of evaluating, like, I don't have a head injury. I'm not bleeding you know, I don't think that I need an ambulance. He's okay, so we have three options. Ambulance. I can put you on the back of my motorcycle and take you to the hospital, or we can call you an Uber. Now, I don't think I need an ambulance because I'm not bleeding and I didn't sustain I don't know this, but like my shoulder and my clavicle hit the ground first and the right side of my body, and then my head hit after. So my head hit did hit the ground, but I was wearing a helmet. Also was wearing full body armor, pants, riding boots riding jacket, gloves, the whole thing. So thank God I didn't have any road rash. You know, I, my skin wasn't tore up anything like that with. So I'm on the ground. I feel that my bone is clearly broken and displaced cuz it's popping out of my skin, but I'm not bleeding. I'm not falling unconscious. I'm just kind of hyperventilating from the shock. And so Kevin helps calm me down, and I'm realizing, okay, I don't want to call an ambulance. I do not want to get on the back of that motorcycle because my body is broken. So we ended up calling an Uber. Uber gets there in about seven minutes and takes me to Kaiser, which is a big hospital network here in Los Angeles. And so I'm waiting in the emergency room for actually quite a while an uncomfortable amount of time because I'm in extreme an extreme amount of pain. And they finally get me into the ER. And the nurse comes in and says, okay, on a scale of one to 10, what kind of pain are you in? And I said, I'm, I'm like an eight and a half. It's like ripples and shockwaves of pain in my right side. And he gives me a shot of morphine. And that helps, but makes me really nauseous. Like I have to just throw up all over myself. And eventually they get me in for x-rays. They do a concussion protocol. I've had a concussion before from a previous bicycling accident, but I knew I wasn't concussed because I wasn't experiencing any of the symptoms. So they get me in for X-rays, and you know, about I don't even know hour, hour and a half later, the whole thing's done, and the ER doctor comes in. He said, "Yeah, I've, I've got I've got bad news for you." He said, "If your clavicle was broken in one place, generally our protocol is to just let the bone mend itself, and the bone will—it's called knitting. The bone will knit itself in about six to eight weeks." And he said, unfortunately, that's not the case. You, your clavicle is in pieces. It's in about four different pieces. You've got some floating debris and one of the pieces almost punctured your lung. He said it didn't, but it almost did. He said, so you're going to need some sort of reconstructive surgery. We don't know what kind. So here's some painkillers and we're, we're going to refer you to an orthopedic surgeon to figure out what's next. So that was, that was my Sunday. Sunday night was no sleep. Even though they gave me painkillers, I was kind of writhing in pain in bed, and yeah, that was kind of the start of that was the start of November, Whitney. That was that was like, hey man, home stretch, Mercury retrograde, election craziness. Here you go, bud. Have this one on for size. So I don't want to keep rambling. I mean, I, I prefer to pass the baton back to you, Whitney, because there's a lot more layers to it. And and this whole week, this week's been kind of like a personal hell. But that was the start of the personal hell.
0: It's fascinating because the theme of this episode being about overcoming fear and believing in yourself during those tough times, you know, and and it certainly had a ripple effect on me because when you texted me to let me know what happened, I felt some shock. I just was so taken aback because you certainly don't expect to get news like that. And then there was this moment of thinking it could have been so much worse, thank goodness it wasn't, but that feeling of what if certainly has crossed my mind a lot. Did that come up in your head as well? Like, I'd love to hear more about the fear that you experienced, Jason, and what it was like because you go through different stages of it, right? Were you shocked at, for, like, you talked about hyperventilating, right? So that's obviously one big part of fear. And it actually reminds me a lot of this amazing audiobook I listened to on my road trip called The Unthinkable. And I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I really want to. Bring it up a lot because it was a phenomenal, phenomenal book. And and actually it's one of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to because the narrator is so fantastic. Like I would have thought she wrote the book, but she didn't. She was just perfect. And I was just captivated by every word she said. And this then this book is about. Let me find the uh, subtitle for it so I can properly reference it here. It's called The Unthinkable by Amanda Ripley. And the book is about who survives when disaster strikes and why. And it's really interesting because she goes into all of these different disasters that have happened around the world and how people respond to them. And so it's fascinating because it's not always about like, for example, she talked about 9-11. She's not getting into like what caused 9-11, but she does talk about how people respond to it. And that's super fascinating. She also talks about plane crashes and how people survived them and why some people might not have. And one of the sections of the book talks about the fear responses, such as getting or feeling paralysis and how some people, when something really shocking happens to them, they freeze and how animals do this as well. And there's I mean this this is like an incredibly fascinating section of the book because she gets into all the history and the studies that have been done and just based on this whole sometimes uncontrollable response we have to these moments. And so I'm curious to go back to that Jason for you in that moment you're hyperventilating, which by the way is is completely normal, you know. A lot of people will go through training to teach their bodies not to panic. One of the examples I remember in that book, she was talking about people that were trapped in an elevator. It might've been in a bombing of a building, like maybe the World Trade Center bombing or something back in the 90s, whenever that was, and how some people were trapped in an elevator and the smoke started pouring in and how they really had to be conscious to not hyperventilate because they would run out of air. So they had to control their breathing in those moments and how a lot of military are are trained through these things or or people in those high stakes scenarios where they have to learn how to control their breath. So I'm curious for you in that moment, Jason, did you start to think of that or did your mind go blank? Because that's another common fear response where you're so shocked by it that you can't even tune back into any of your training. Like You've done a lot of breath work, training and meditation. So... Did you panic so much that you felt out of control with it? Or were you able to reconnect to yourself and control? And did you feel like any of your mindfulness practices came into play with this accident?
1: It's kind of smattering of a lot of things. You know, I didn't start to hyperventilate or kind of freak out until I felt my body, you know, like, because I I knew I'd hurt myself, but I was able to walk under my own power I wasn't dizzy or falling over. Again, there was no blood that I could see. Once Kevin helped me remove my helmet, you know, there was no bruising. I mean, and also, you know, I have to give myself a little bit of credit here in the sense that when I bought my motorcycle gear, my helmet, my jacket, all of that, I did a lot of research into which ones were the highest in safety ratings, talking to people who had actually been in accidents with that gear and how it protected them. So for anyone who is a a bicyclist, BMX, scooter, off-road, motorcyclist, spend the money To buy the best gear you can afford. That is the just do that and always wear it. And and the interesting thing about this too, it and there's so much tangents, but that's what this podcast is. One big spiritual tangent. I was back home visiting my mom prior to this accident about a week prior, and I was commenting to her how many people in Michigan don't wear helmets because they I think they repealed the helmet law in the state of Michigan where I'm from. And almost every single motorcyclist when I was there was wearing no helmet. I can't imagine. Because again, I did hit my head, my shoulder, my collarbone obviously took the brunt of this. And I found out later that I actually broke a rib as well, but my head hit second, you know, my shoulder crumpled, collarbone snapped, and then my head hit the ground. If I was not wearing a helmet, I don't even want to imagine what I might be dealing with right now. So, you know, people can do what they will, but if I'm going to get on another machine, I will not, you know, an open cockpit machine, whether that's a scooter, motorcycle, I'm never doing so without a helmet. Like that's just a non-negotiable, but the moment it was happening with, you know, like I said, I, I was able to walk and stand under my own power and evaluating my body. When I really started to freak out though, was when I felt my shoulder and my collarbone and felt bones sticking out. Right. And then it was like, Oh fuck, 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 fuck. You know? And I'm just, then I'm spiraling. Then I'm like, Oh Jesus. Cause until I really felt that and felt the pain welling up, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm like, I might be okay. Like I was pissed that I crashed. I was pissed that I fucked up my motorcycle, but when I felt my body broken, it was like, oh my, like that nauseating feeling of like, oh God, what did I do to myself? So I start just like I'm my, my breath, I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. What did I do? And Kevin had to come over. He's like, dude, you got to slow your breath down. Like you, and he even said, he's like, you know how to do this. Like you got to breathe with me. So Kevin was great in reminding me. He's like, just breathe. He's like, you got, he's like, look in my eyes. We're going to breathe together. And we were just taking like really deep, slow, rhythmic breaths. And so Kevin was like, you know how to do this, dude. You just be with here right now. Don't worry about the bike. Just you're not going to die. You're here right now. You're okay. So Kevin was really just a wonderful reminder and, and great friend and like reminding me, you know how to do presence practices. You know how to connect your breath, like slow it down, like slow it down. And he did you know? So after like maybe a minute or three of hyperventilating, he really helped me to be like, you know, and I was crying. And I honestly, I was so angry at myself in that moment. I was like, dude, that was that was a turn you've taken hundreds of times, you motherfucker. Like, why did you crash? I was so angry at myself, Whitney. I was so pissed. And so I just, I'm crying and I'm angry at myself and I'm like, how could you do this? But you know, I've been a chef also for, you know, 15 years and as an analogy, as confident as I feel with a chef's knife. Have I cut myself absolutely? Have I cut myself doing cuts I've done hundreds or thousands of times, julienning bok choy, dicing carrots, chiffonading basil, whatever it is. Have I cut myself absolutely? And it's this thing of like we can do something hundreds, thousands of times and feel a level of mastery at them. But there are sometimes we have accidents and there are sometimes we fuck up. And this was one of those things kind of like cutting myself in the kitchen wit. It was like, I've taken that simple left turn on a hill so many times on a motorcycle ride. But for some reason this time, I just, I misjudged it and I hit the brakes too late and lost control. And I, so the initial emotion was after I calmed myself down, I was just crying because I was so angry with myself. And one of the biggest things for me this week wit and thing that I'm still dealing with is just being not angry at God, not angry at the universe. It just been so angry with me. Like, why did, dude, it's weeks of healing, thousands of dollars for surgery. You have to fix the fucking bike now. Like, I'm just, honestly, the feeling I'm still dealing with is just frustration and anger. And yeah, I, this is, I know there's a higher reason for all of this. And maybe one of the higher reasons, as I talked about in our newsletter is like learning to love myself and be loved and not beat myself up so much. But man, it's been a hard pill to swallow, you know?
0: I bet. And I am grateful that you are so open to sharing this. You know, when when I initially planned this episode, it was inspired by our ebook, Take Charge. And for anyone who has been listening to our show recently, we've been in a series based around that ebook. And Take Charge is really about taking charge of your life during challenging circumstances. And we've been going through this book during the podcast, but also off the podcast and really examining it to see what we can shift as it was written in 2019 before the pandemic and before this election was happening and all of these changes that we've been through as a country and as a world. And and then for us to have this episode about fear and believing in yourself during tough times, it's just kind of remarkable that this is the first time we've talked about your accident and the timing just lines up in such a fascinating way. And one of the tips in this Take Charge ebook, which by the way, if you haven't yet, you can download for free at our website, wellevator.com, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you click on the free resources section, you will find this ebook and a few others. And then that will actually sign you up for our newsletter. So if you are a little sad that you didn't get our newsletter about Jason's accident, well, once you get this free ebook, you will have a chance to read future newsletters. The first tip in this section about overcoming fear and believing in yourself is to know yourself and your why. And we talked about the why in other episodes, because this comes up a lot. When it comes to taking charge of your life, it's important to have a clear idea of who you are and what you stand for. And in this section, our friend Sid emphasizes this, that when you know who you are and what you stand for, this enables you to push through doubt, fear, or negativity, because you will always have a firm ground on which to stand. And so with that said, Jason, in these times where you felt really angry, you know, I mean, there was a day a few days ago where we were speaking on the phone and you were in a really dark place and then the next day you weren't and i'm curious how you moved from that dark place into this more positive place and and perhaps it's always fluctuating you know i think that's an important thing for us to remember that well-being is not consistent in one way or another sometimes our well-being is suffering and sometimes our well-being is thriving and joyful And it's actually very normal and natural for us to go through these ups and downs. But I think during these times of more fear, doubt, stress, and negativity, it is really tough. So for you, Jason, do you feel like coming back to who you are and what you stand for has played a role during this beginning stages of your recovery?
1: I don't know if it's about who I am and what I stand for as much as it is like, hmm, acknowledging the nature of things. And I suppose that is what I stand for is trying to align how I live my life with the principles of nature as much as I can. And you know, even though I'm in pain, I mean I'm in I'm in pain right now as we're recording, you know, to be blunt. It's I'm extremely uncomfortable in my body. It's broken, it's shattered, you know, I, I'm I'm waiting for this surgery and I have emotions of anger and frustration and rage and sadness and gratitude for the wonderful humans who are caring for me. My girlfriend Laura, my mentor Michael, my mom, you, Ellie, Jan. I have so many people sending me messages. I mean, I could name a million people. It's like Dotsy, Ross, you know, Daniel, Adam, Pamela. There's so many people that are just checking in and either giving me love or, you know, my girlfriend Laura has basically been like my nurse. She's just I can't bathe myself. I can't lift my right arm. It's that's how badly it's broken, right? So I'm I'm down to one one arm. And it's I realize that pain and discomfort as visceral as those feelings have been the past week for me, okay? Like visceral writhing in pain. And yes, I've taken painkillers, but they constipate me. So I'm trying to not, I'm trying to regulate how to manage this pain, okay? Is the nature of reality is nothing lasts and everything is temporal. Everything's temporary. This pain, I know this pain is temporary. My body being broken is temporary. The discomfort, the anger, the rage, the frustration are temporary. Everything's temporary. So, if I remember that this won't last forever, even though the pain is so powerful and the discomfort is so strong in moments, Whitney, I have to remind myself of my belief, which is that I think part of the nature of this reality is nothing lasts. Everything is changing. Everything is always moving. And so, I know that my body is healing itself right now, even though I'm in physical pain and I'm in emotional anguish. I know that underneath that, healing is taking place. And so, if I trust that and I trust in the higher wisdom of nature, spirit, God, universe, I also know that I have to assign meaning to this suffering that I'm in. Because if this suffering is without meaning, it feels empty and life starts to feel extremely hopeless and macabre. And so, I don't want my life to feel hopeless and macabre. I want my life to have meaning. So, as I was kind of detailing again in our newsletter today, I don't know what the higher meaning of this suffering is yet. Is it to slow down? Is it to pay more attention to my body and honor it in a different way? Is it to abandon a more risky activity like a motorcycle? Is it, to, is it to finally become ambidextrous and be fucking awesome with my left hand at things? Maybe. And maybe it's a chance to look at how angry I get with myself and how much I beat myself up over perceived mistakes. Maybe it's looking at how frustrated I was getting with Laura and my mom and, and people in my life that love me and how hard it is for me to accept help, right? Like, ah, oh, I feel like I can do everything and I need to do everything. And now I can't use an arm and I have to have help bathing and I have to help have help being fed and I have to have help with basic shit that I'm so used to doing that I can't really do right now. So it's been an ego check for me to be like, you have to accept help right now. You have no choice. Like To get out of bed, which you can't do under your own power, dude, you have to have help with that. So again, I'm, I, I guess to go back to your original question, Whitney, it's like, I'm getting to re-examine my belief systems and also align with some of them deeper because again, if I don't assign a deeper meaning, or if I'm not open to whatever lessons are from this suffering, then the suffering feels useless. The suffering feels empty. And I don't want to live a life like that.
0: That reminds me of the end section of, well, the one of the final tips in this section, I should say, which is to get some perspective. And Robbie Barbero, who was one of the contributors to this Take Charge ebook, said that he thinks about how small we really are. and When we see life from that perspective of things not being such a big deal, (laughs) we can have a little bit more fun with it. We can take things less seriously. And similarly, Matt Frazier... Said that he's found Stoicism and Seneca's advice really helpful in giving him a new way of thinking about life, death, and meaning, one that ultimately places less importance on the day to day happenings and emotions we experienced. And he's learned a lot about Buddhism and consciousness. And what has come of that is a sense of detachment and letting go for him when he's worried or stressed. And it comes down to reminding himself just how small we are and how unimportant in the grand scheme of the universe everything we're dealing with is. And I think it's always interesting when you reflect on life that way, because I think it's a balance, right? Like we want to experience life and joy. We don't want to just throw up our hands and say, well, nothing even matters. Everything's meaningless anyways. I think that can lead us down a path of getting really cynical but to your point, Jason, it's like you get more perspective through these challenging times. And sometimes just realizing that you don't need to take things so seriously and you realize what's actually important helps you move through those challenging times a little bit easier.
1: Well, I also think that, you know, there's an element of acceptance and surrender that plays a massive part in all of this. And I was talking to one of my dearest friends, Adam, who we've had on the podcast here, Adam Yasmin. And we we will link to his episode in the show notes for this episode if you want to take a listen to that great one. His younger brother, Daniel, got into a really, really bad accident last year, almost a year ago, last uh, November, where basically both of his legs were shattered. And he has had an entire year of rebuilding his body. And I had a chance to speak with him for almost two hours the other night about his emotions, his spiritual approach to it, feeling confined to a hospital bed for weeks and weeks and weeks, and the process of relearning how to walk, relearning how to go upstairs, relearning how to go in and take a shower. And it's not about comparing or saying that his his journey of healing and rebuilding himself mentally and physically and psychologically was greater or less than mine, but I think I just needed to have that perspective from him as someone Who has suffered similarly and rebuilt himself? And he was saying, like, whenever he takes a shower now, it's not a innocuous thing. He's like, remember when you couldn't do this? Remember when you could not physically walk and get yourself into the shower? Remember when just to get out of the bed into a wheelchair and put into a bathtub was a two-hour process? You know, and I think that there is a power in remembering these moments. That I am unable to use my right arm. I am unable to raise it. I, I can't bathe myself. I can't. Chop vegetables because I can't hold something on the cutting board, you know, even use my left hand to cut anything. It's, I want to remember this because it's a sense of deeper appreciation and gratitude for doing something that I was taking for granted, such as bathing myself, getting myself out of bed, chopping vegetables on my own, playing a guitar, all of these day to day things that one would probably not reflect on with a sense of gratitude and appreciation each day. It's just like, okay, I'm walking under my own power. I can get out of bed. I can bathe myself. I can make food. I can play guitar. I can do whatever. But now that I'm not able to, it's shining such a powerful light on the things that I can't do anymore that I was taking for granted each day that they are innocuous. And I'm not I'm not saying taking for granted to beat myself up, but how many of us actually think about, oh, I'm so grateful I can chop vegetables myself. Ah, I'm so grateful I can bathe myself. I mean it's rare that we have those thoughts. But to Daniel's point about that moment of gratitude, whenever he steps into the shower of remember when you couldn't do this, like I want to retain some of this in the sense of having a deeper appreciation for life, because to be honest with like, I think I've been so carried away at points in my life of always focusing on the next thing go for the brass ring, more, better, faster, different, you know, the American way of like, it's always got to be bigger and more and better and crazier. And what about just the appreciation of chopping a carrot? Like when I can chop again, or the, the first time I pick up a guitar again, I'm going to savor those moments, right? And I hope to be able to savor them moving forward too. And I think there's a tremendous power in that, tremendous power in that.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great gift. And and you've really come a long way, Jason, in just a few days because I remember at the beginning you didn't want to think about these things. Like it sounded like you just wanted to feel your anger, which I also think is is actually brilliant, you know. I'm trying to remember Oh, it came up in another wonderful audiobook I was listening to on my road trip and have not finished yet because I really want to savor this book. And so I'm planning on reading the physical version as well now that I'm done with my drive, for now at least, is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And we saw her speak in 2018 at this amazing event called Wellspring that, gosh... It's such a bummer. That was 2018, right, Jason? Not in 2019, right? That
1: was, yeah, actually, that was the f- last weekend of October. So, that was just a smidge over two years ago. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's crazy. Which honestly feels like a lifetime ago with this point. <laughs> it, it, it really does.
0: And it was such a bummer. We were supposed to speak at that event either the following year, or maybe it was, it must have been 2019 and didn't happen. And then, of course, 2020 happened and everything has changed. And who knows what events will be like in the future. But anyways, we saw Glennon Doyle speak there and that was before her her newer book, Untamed, came out. And it is phenomenal. I mean, she reads the audiobook, so it's great too. She's got a great voice and and you can really just follow along with this story. And one of the things that really resonated with me in there is when she talks about being a mother and how she's really trying to honor her children for who they are and where they're at. And the whole book is got this theme of breaking free from what other people want you to be, and whether that's society or your parents or your family members, and really getting to the core of who you are. So even coming back to that point in this section about overcoming fear is when you know yourself and your why, that helps you move forward. And there's another quote in this ebook, Take Charge, from Samantha Shorkey, who said, I find the courage to be vulnerable and let the world see the real me. I find the courage to get out of my comfort zone and accept new opportunities and situations that kind of scare the shit out of me. But coming back to Untamed, she has a few sections where she's talking about her children and allowing themselves, allowing them to be upset. And instead of comforting them with words that might not be true or appropriate for that moment. She's really been working on being real with her children and allowing them to feel angry and not trying to change them or get them out of the anger. And that's something that I've come across occasionally through my fascination with the personal development world, but I, I really wish I would see more often. And that actually has been a really helpful tool and perspective for me, Jason, because I have that tendency to want to help pull somebody out of a bad mood. But sometimes people like yourself a few days ago are not ready to be out of that. Like, and I could kind of sense that in that moment when we were speaking, where you said, "Like, I don't want to hear any positivity. I don't want any. I don't." want that perspective of oh there's probably something to learn from this right like you remember that very vividly and and you've made a shift cuz right now you do seem to be looking for the lessons but a few days ago Jason you you didn't want to focus on the lessons like it kind of felt to me like you were just trying to acknowledge the anger that was filling up your body even though you also were acknowledging that it was putting you on the verge of a bad mental health state and I think you had a lot of awareness about where you were at because you knew this wasn't a good place to be. But you were also honoring the fact that you weren't ready to move out of that place yet.
1: Yeah. And I think it's it's there's a lot of layers to this. And I appreciate you acknowledging it because well, I want to talk about why I was in the dark place in a little bit, because there's more layers to this story. If you've stuck with us through the first 45 minutes of the story's not over about my week, but in the moment we were talking a few days ago, Whitney, it was, it was Boy, there are moments when it's like, I think we need to hear it's going to be okay. But at the same time, like, I know it's going to be okay. And so I don't need to hear that. Like in a lot of moments this week, I just needed to have someone witness my emotions and not judge them or try and change them. Like that has been some of the most potent medicine, whether it was you or Laura, my mom, Michael. Adam, again, the amazing, wonderful people in my life who've connected, called, FaceTimed is just like, I know, I know it's going to be okay. Like, I fucking know that, you know, I don't need to be fucking reminded it's going to be okay, you know, And, and it's like, I just need to rage right now. I need to have my rage witnessed, not directing it at, at at anyone. That's very different, right? Not Not being angry or vitriolic or spiteful or, or putting poison at anyone. No, no, no. Just a general sense of rage, upset, frustration, anger, and allowing the energy to move. It's similar. It's different, but it's similar to when I have sobbed this week, like sobbed, like convulsing sobbing because for me to feel peace again... For me to feel a sense of acceptance and surrender to what is, if I don't allow the rage, sadness, anger, frustration to move through my body, it will congeal, it will store itself in there, and I do not want it. So, in some ways, it's almost like my body's wisdom, my soul's wisdom to say, like, you need to move this energy. Because if you don't move the sadness, rage, anger, frustration, sorrow, it's gonna stick in that, it's gonna stick in your body, and we need the space for healing. So let it flow. Let yourself feel it and release it when it wants to be released. So I think there's a higher wisdom. I think it flies in the face of a lot of the love and light, high vibes only bullshit we've talked about in the spiritual and and wellness community of, you know, no, 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 like don't know, don't yell, don't be angry, don't, you know, high vibes only. Like there's there's so much spiritual bypassing and so many iterations. It's almost like the head of the hydra where you cut one off and three more grow. And I think it's still endemic in many ways, Wit, to this social media culture of, wellness and spirituality and, quote, self-help of people not dealing with their darkness, right? Did I want to be angry? Probably on some level, because I wanted my rage and my sadness and my frustration to be acknowledged, right? Is like, to me, it didn't feel authentic to immediately go like, you're in massive pain, your body's broken, you have to wait all these days for this surgery, you don't feel like you're getting, you know, the acknowledgement from the healthcare system you want. So, like, where do you funnel this energy? I'm not gonna store it like it has to be released. So I think I think there's a higher wisdom is again what I'm saying to reiterate of rage, anger, frustration, sadness, sorrow serves a purpose to move energy out of our body. Like we have to experience it fully and move the energy. I think that is healthy. And so I appreciate you just bearing witness to it and not, you know, honoring the fact that I didn't want to be, quote, shaken out of it, you know, because I know it's gonna move and I know that I'll return to a place of peace, but I have to experience what I have to experience, you know? And You talked about the Stoics, Matt Fraser and and Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and, and a lot of the Stoic wisdom that Ryan Holiday is kind of reintroducing to popular culture now. One of my favorite ones that I read a few years ago was from Ryan Holiday, actually. I think it's in his book, The Obstacle is the Way. And he talks about the Stoic phrase, amor fati, which is a Latin phrase that means love of fate. And to me, I am coming into a place of greater acceptance for what is, that I'm in pain I am suffering. My body is broken. And there are lessons in this life that the universe, God, spaghetti monster, whoever is, whatever you believe in is giving me, right? So amor fati, love of fate, no matter what comes, can I love it? Can I embrace it? Can I say yes to it? And so finally, after days of frustration, anger, pain, I'm finally getting to a place, I think, last night actually of like, okay, it is what it is. This is what it is. You either fight reality, reality is going to win. So amor fatigue just keeps coming in my mind. The other phrase that keeps coming in my mind is Winston Churchill's quote, if you're going through hell, keep going, right? It's like, I can't change this. I can't automatically heal my body. I can't spiritually bypass my way through this. I have to sit in it. I have to be still. I have to be quiet. I have to allow whatever emotions come up and then receive, hopefully, whatever greater lessons are going to arise from this, you know, rather than thrashing around, denying that it's happening. Like, I can't run from this. I can't run from a broken rib and a shattered collarbone. I can't, you know, there's nowhere to run. Like, I'm in my body and it hurts and I'm uncomfortable and it's broken. Like, there's nowhere to go. So I can either accept what is or resist it. And that's really the only two choices.
0: Wow. I mean... I think this is just such a <laughs> incredible thing to, to hear. I mean, I, I feel so grateful to have this discussion. And then your input with your new perspective is really wonderful, Jason. And it's just one of those great examples of turning a really challenging situation into something really lovely. In fact, it even reminds me of, of something I was just thinking about, which is the let me see if I can pronounce this correctly, kintsugi, where you fill in the cracks of something broken with gold. And I was actually just thinking about it because I have a a cracked piece of rose quartz. And it actually is pretty beautiful because it, it cracked very evenly into two pieces. And so part of me doesn't mind that it cracked because it's still beautiful to me. But then I wonder like, huh, I wonder if I can glue a stone back together with one of those Kintsugi's kits. Have you ever done that before, Jason?
1: No, but I've always thought it's such a gorgeous thing to do. And in a way, like I kind of wish they could do that with my clavicle. Like yeah. I wish they could just like infuse it with gold. I think it's going to be titanium technically, but it'd be kind of cool if like I don't know, it could be like a precious metal like gold or platinum or something cool like that, but I just I love that Japanese aesthetic for so many reasons cuz it it acknowledges that just because Something may be, quote, temporarily broken doesn't mean it's useless, right? They don't throw things away in that sense. It's how can we glorify the journey of this object and still see its usefulness, not be wasteful about it? And I think that I love that you brought that up because, you know, the analogy in my body is like, it's never going to be the same. It's going to heal wrong. I'm going to look fucking disfigured now because it is gruesome. I mean, there's a bone popping out of my skin. It's, it's, I don't want to look at it like it's gruesome to me, but you know, the fear that comes up in my mind, I'm glad you brought this up because it's like, oh, what if I'm never the same? What if I'm just like this ogre now with this weird fucking bone popping out of my skin? These weird irrational thoughts are popping out of my mind, but maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like, it's okay to be broken and put back together. And maybe that makes it even more beautiful, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I think that's always interesting thing to ponder, you know? There's another section in the Take Charge ebook about how We can become, we begin to watch the thinker, which is something that Eckhart Tolle said. And this is a section added by Luke Jones, who said finding periods of stillness throughout the day, whether that's meditation, breath work, walking in nature, or just sitting in silence, is ideal for practicing. Over time, you get a little better at noticing those thoughts pop up. And now and then you find you're able to pause before reacting unconsciously. And that was another thing I wondered. I I don't think I brought this up to you, Jason, but on that day that you were really struggling with a lot of anger and pain, I was wondering if it might be a really nice opportunity for you to just spend more moments in stillness and watching your thoughts. Because sometimes when we feel disabled in some way, we don't really have much of a choice. All we can do is sit there. So you could either sit there and let your self spiral and and get into some really low emotions or, and, or I should say, you can watch those emotions and let them pass by and breathe through them. And maybe just take that time to listen to yourself more, which is not something a lot of us give ourselves an opportunity to do. So sometimes we're forced into it. So do you find that, or have you found during any of these moments that you've been forced into more stillness that they've actually been helpful and healing for you in some ways?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is related, but kind of, again, tangential to what you're asking me, Whitney, in the sense that I have had moments of stillness, of just closing my eyes and breathing, observing my thoughts, not reacting or responding to them, just letting them be. But one thing that I'll try and describe this as best I can, in terms of living with pain, pain management. A few nights ago, I and I've been waking up in the middle of the night every night, And it just, it is what it is. I I just am accepting that it's a thing that's happening right now. And the other night I woke up and was in so much pain. Again, it's my right clavicle, my right shoulder is just like it. The pain is almost like it comes in waves. You know, it's not acute level eight and a half pain the entire time, but it comes in waves. You know, it's like, I'll feel okay. I can sleep. And then like, (gasps) oh my God, it's so fucking painful and get woken up by it. But I, I tried something the other night in terms of like this mindfulness, you're asking about mindfulness and I was breathing with the pain. And what I mean by that is I noticed that there were moments that I wasn't in pain. And instead of focusing on the moments I was in pain, it's like I, I'm it's so hard to describe. I was focusing more of my energy on breathing with the moments of painlessness than the rapid breathing and like, oh God, oh, you know, the kind of thing when we feel pain and we moan and it's like, oh my God, we, we're just trying to bear it. I was like, what if I move more of my energy and focus on the moments that I'm pain-free than the moments I am in pain? And interestingly, I have found when I'm able to do that, and it requires a lot of energy to focus on the painless moments, interestingly enough, I find that the pain subsides, not completely, But if I'm able to focus on like almost noticing there's another pain-free moment, okay, breathe. Okay. Are you in pain right now? No. Okay. Breathe into it. That I'm able to manage my pain better when I shift my focus and my mindfulness to the moments I'm not in pain. Does that make sense? It's hard to describe this technique. It's like, I'm experiencing it for the first time and it's so interesting and I'm almost trying to put words to it, but I feel like I'm not doing it dexterously enough yet. Does any of what I'm saying make sense, Whitney?
0: Oh, yeah. And I, this is another thing that passed through my mind during one of our calls because I was reflecting on when I felt pain. And it's interesting because our, our brains are actually wired to forget pain and we, we remember the experience more than the actual feeling, if that makes sense. So. I'm sure Jason, if you look back into other times, like when you've cut yourself, when you were chefing and experienced that type of pain. And, you know, I remember spraining my ankle and I, but I don't remember what that pain felt like at all. (laughs) Like I'm sitting here thinking, how painful was that? Like I remember the experience and how it happened. And that's it. You know, but i I do remember, for me most vividly is I get menstrual cramps, and I've had menstrual cramps pretty much the entire time I've been menstruating, and they're very unpredictable. And there are a few times where they have been really, really intense. In fact, one of them was with you, Jason, when we were at this Stanford Inn. and actually, it's funny in a way because one of the people in the take charge ebook is Sid who we met at the Stanford Inn. And it's all coming full circle. During that time, I had debilitating menstrual cramps for hours. And I had to stay in the hotel room while you, Jason, were off doing some things to kind of enjoy yourself, which was fine with me because I kind of just wanted to be alone. And I remember literally writhing in pain and, and nothing I attempted to do was making my body feel any better and at a certain point you just start to surrender and like you're describing anytime I have menstrual pains they sometimes come in waves and there'll be a moment where I don't feel the pain and it'll be kind of brief and then they'll come back again and I've heard women describing birth childbirth similarly where you know we we have the many of us know the classic breathing methods that women will do to try to make it through the really intense pain during childbirth. And I think about that too sometimes when I'm having menstrual cramps. And it's something I think is more in my head and more familiar because I've experienced it so frequently. And in a way though, I actually stopped taking painkillers after maybe I was in my 20s or something. I I don't remember where I got this in my head, but something convinced me to ease off the ibuprofen because I used to take ibuprofen every month. And there's nothing wrong with painkillers, in my opinion, in general, right? I guess it really depends on the circumstances and your body. But for me, I just wondered if I really needed them. And I've learned to cope with the pain without taking drugs. It's very rare maybe I've taken a painkiller a few times in my adult life and there's part of me that feels kind of proud of that and I think part of it was I'm very committed to not putting things in my body unless I truly need them or deeply want them and I learned over time with that type of pain that I think sometimes pain is really helpful to us it teaches us us a lot about ourselves it helps us recognize where we go to try to cope. It helps us examine ourselves and our mental thoughts in a lot of ways. And I kind of have learned to embrace it. So every month when I suspect that I might be having a really tough day hormonally, I allow myself to honor that pain. And I actually, a few months ago, started putting it on my calendar when I, because, you know, as a woman, you can track your cycle. And mine is pretty regular. So I'm able to see approximately what days I may experience those menstrual cramps. And I'll just put that on my calendar. I'll block it off. And I try to give myself a day of openness so that I can really listen to my body. Because the other times when I haven't done that, I've been in circumstances where it's been so incredibly painful, I can't push through it. And I, you know, that's, that's why I was thinking of this, Jason, when you were talking about your pain, even though it's a different type of pain, knock on wood, I've never broken a bone, so I don't know what that actually feels like. And of course, you, Jason, don't know what menstrual cramps feel like, they're pretty awful. But I, that feeling of almost like, there are times where they've been so intense that I I feel like I could lose consciousness, you know, like, I want to be out of my body so bad. Yes. it's so extreme. In fact, there was a Stanford in time, I remember clearly, and another one came to mind sometime in the past year. It was definitely before COVID. I think I might have even been with you, Jason, at the beginning. I was with our friend, Allison, who has her podcast, Food Heels, and I was recording with her. And I can't remember if you were there as well, but I think you were. I think we might have been on Food Heels promoting this podcast. So it must have been maybe earlier this year. I don't know. It was sometime in the past year, and the, I felt the cramps coming on. And I asked Allison if she had anything, you know, holistic I could take. And I tried a few things, but whatever I tried didn't work. And then I just thought, all right, well, maybe I'll make it through. Maybe they'll go away. And I actually went to a dinner and then a comedy show, <laughs> like because we already had tickets to this comedy show. And I remember I went into this restaurant called M Cafe in Los Angeles and I could not even think about ordering. Like my brain was not functioning. I was in so much pain. And then I I was trying to eat hoping that the food would make me feel better and that it would go away and, and just like you're describing Jason it's coming in waves and I was like really trying to function and I was just slumped over the table. And again it was so extreme that I didn't even care if other people were looking at me. I don't know if anybody even noticed. But you know, I, I was literally like slumped over my head on the table, breathing deeply, trying to make it through this, hoping that it would go away soon. And I think it finally started to go away at some point during the comedy show. But my big point is that in hindsight, and this is why I changed things and put it on my calendar, I don't know why I put myself in those positions. Like why did I try to ignore that I was going through pain? You know, I like pain really is a message to us. And a lot of the time that message is that we need to stop what we're doing and rest and recover. And I think sometimes that pain is it's trying to get our attention. And especially for those of us who get caught up in this world of hustle. And this comes back to what I've been thinking about for you, Jason, is maybe that is an opportunity. It might not necessarily be a lesson. It depends on your perspective. Like maybe the universe isn't trying to teach you something, but that doesn't matter because you can still learn from it and you can still actually find gratitude and slowing down. So for me now, my monthly practice is to set aside two full days and either do nothing or really lightly schedule myself with flexibility. So anything that goes on my calendar during those days has to be flexible. And I have to remind myself every month that this is my time to really slow down and rest and get sleep and take baths and honor myself and maybe shift up the way that I'm eating. A whole nother story is like you can actually eat differently during different stages of your cycle, which changes your body's reactions. And there's all these different things that you can do and learn. And I guess that leads me to another question for you, Jason. Have you found any... Soothing practices, foods, herbs, like, has there been anything that you've taken or done to help you ease the pain or give you some more comfort?
1: Great questions. Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge you, Whitney, for intentionally taking days out of your month, which I think, you know, for us as a remedy to rage against the hustle culture of capitalist society is really, really important. And, you know, in terms of comfort or things that I'm taking. I mean, number one, I'm taking a bunch of bone building supplements to, because first of all, I have the clavicle, which needs to get surgically rebuilt. But then I also have a broken rib, which is really painful because if I cough, if I sneeze, if I laugh, if I move the wrong way, And there's really nothing they can do for a broken rib. It has to just knit itself. It has to just regrow and and fuse. But I've been taking a a host of bone builder supplements that have like additional K2, K1, D3, boron, silica, magnesium, calcium, a bunch of herbs that are designed to heal and mend bone. So I've been doing that. I've been doing extra vitamin C. I've been doing extra B complex just so my body can heal quicker. So I definitely upped the supplement game for sure. In terms of foods, I've been eating more mineral-dense foods. I've been eating more root vegetables. I've been eating things like nut butters and pumpkin seeds, which are high in trace minerals like magnesium and zinc, because I really want to feed my bones right now. I really want to just get strong so that when I have my surgery and I go into physical therapy, like my body's already like, all right, we got this. So I definitely have my, my supplement game on point right now. I've just been eating really clean. I have not been eating a lot of sugar, barely any sugar, no sweets. I don't want to contribute to any inflammatory effects in my body right now. So I've been doing a ton of turmeric, a ton of black pepper, but I've also been taking... OxyMag, which is sort of this stool softener slash laxative, natural laxative. Because unfortunately, you talked about painkillers. I've been doing Tylenol with codeine, and also doing cannabis. The cannabis is fine; my body responds great to cannabis. But I have been on and off doing Tylenol with codeine, and it massively—I was going to say the word decapitates me. That is weird. What the hell is going on with my brain? Code Tylenol is not decapitating me. What is the what is the word when? oh my God, I'm dying on this word. When it binds you up, when it constipates you, wow, hello, welcome to my mind right now. That was weird. Yeah. So the Tylenol with codeine constipates me too much. So I'm trying to find a balance right now of when to take the painkillers and when to ease off of them because they're wreaking havoc on my digestion. So I'm trying not to rely too heavily on them only when I'm like in really intense pain. Foods, I've been doing soups, really simple like tofu and vegetable and rice bowls. Laura made probably top five grilled cheese I've ever had in my life the other day. It was like, damn, woman, this grilled cheese is like going for the Guinness World Record. Like it was an insane grilled cheese. Excuse
0: me. You now need to tell me what bread she used and what cheese she used.
1: She will have to tell you. I no. Was, I was on the I couch. want answers. I was on the couch. She did her whole she got some gluten for special gluten-free loaf cuz she's been gluten-free for like 14 years and I think she did a combo of Parmella, mozzarella shreds. I think she did Dea slices and then I think she did a Violife feta and then uh, did Flora's plant butter. And then she put like an arugula garlic spread on the inside of the bread. And it was like psycho. It was so good.
0: Wait, that leads me to think that you may have also received the samples of Flora and Dea that I got.
1: I did indeed. <laughs> I, I was did. like, and "What?" once you said
0: Dea, I was like, huh, I wonder if uh, he got the sampler pack that I got. And then when you said Flora, I was like, aha, he did. Yeah, yeah. How is Flora butter? Because I, I have some waiting at a, another LA location, but- <laughs> which sounds so mysterious, but I just got back to Los Angeles and I'm currently quarantining. How is that butter?
1: I like it. I really like it so far. I like the flavor of it. I like the way it melts. It's super spreadable, just even refrigerated like right out of the fridge. So I'm digging it so far. You know, Could that
0: be your uh, brand shout out of this episode perhaps? Sure, it probably
1: will be. <laughs> Probably will be, but I want to I want to get back to some of like the spiritual aspects of this whole conversation because you know some friends have sent me some interesting texts and reflections on all this. My good friend Jera Fairchild, who is a a really wonderful energy healer, she was actually my first publicist eleven years ago, but she's doing energy work now. She said it sounds like a rebirth for you. I said, what do you mean? Well, she said, you know that the highest injury rate for newborns when they come out of the birth canal is they break their collarbones. I said, I didn't know that. So I looked it up, Whitney, and sure enough, the number one injury that newborn babies in the world have, the most common injury is that they break their clavicle. They break their collarbones when they come out of the birth canal. And so the symbolism on that is not lost on me. The symbolism is very powerful in that sense of the shifts in my career and what I value in life, what I want to focus my creative energy on, what I feel is the energy of leaving Los Angeles soon. You know, I feel there is a rebirth in my life. So when she said, you know, this might be a rebirth for you, I had never heard about babies. Like that was Greek to me. I've never heard, like, wow, babies break collarbones when they're born. Never heard that in my life. So I thought that that was just really, really fascinating. And then the other thing that my friend Jan, our our dear friend Ellie, her mother Jan texted to me, which I thought was also a really interesting spiritual lesson. So Jan is very much into meditation and yoga and mindfulness. And she has a, a lineage that she aligns herself with. Jan is a very spiritual person. And she said she was thinking of a story she read years ago about the great master, which is how her master's guru is referred to. And he had broken his leg. Now, this was in India in the 1800s for you to get a picture of the time and the place here. Anyway, he was in huge pain, and when he consulted his guru, his master, his instructions, that where this was an opportunity from the universe to focus in the word and to be still for six weeks, which is the time it takes for a bone to knit, he was told that God was blessing him with a time of stillness, acceptance, and contemplation. So like these these little messages that I get from friends about, okay, this is a rebirth time for you. This is a time of stillness. This is a time to slow down. This is a time to contemplate pain, love, acceptance, surrender. Like the life lessons I'm sure are going to unfold as I go on through this, Whitney, but it's almost like these different perspectives are are giving me pause to reflect on the deeper spiritual implications of what I may be going through, you know, and that, that provides a little bit of comfort to me in a way.
0: Absolutely. And All of this also reminds me of one other point in the Take Charge book, which is to find trusted support. And that is really one of the key things when, whenever you're going through a challenging time. And I think preparing for that is really important. And not all of us have the fortitude, I suppose, to, or fortune. Is fortitude the right word? I'm not sure, but that's the word that came out. Not only, not all of us are fortunate to have a great support system. We do want to remind you that we truly consider ourselves part of your support system. Even if you've never interacted with us, we are here for you. You can always email us. You can direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. It's always under Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. We each have our own social media, although Jason... I do want to come back around to my question about how you're feeling about social media right now after this accident, because you were pretty intentional and set on pausing social media, your personal social media. We don't intend on pausing the Wellevator social media, but we also don't spend a ton of time on there. We we really post on Wellevator when we feel called to, and we go through seasons of of wanting to spend more time of it on it than others, but regardless... You can still reach us there on that platform. You can leave us an audio message, a text-based message. You can email us. We read it all. Sometimes we go through phases of it taking a little longer than usual for us to respond. But I'm saying all this because if you feel alone, we want you to know that we're here for you at the least. And if you can find more support, including us and beyond us, I think that's really helpful because everything that you've shared today, Jason, is very rooted in your support system. And you have said that before. And I think it's just a huge testament to the people that are surrounding you and the people that you've brought into your life and kept in your life and the relationships that you've nurtured over time. They've really come through for you in a lot of really incredible ways. And that is not lost on us. And that is certainly an element within the Take Charge ebook that I think we should even emphasize more because it seems to me that you've learned how important that support system really is in your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a literal thing now in the sense that I can't physically do things in this moment, you know? So even if my ego did want to get in the way and be like, I don't need your help, I can do it on my own. Sound familiar? Any listeners out there? Like for me, it's definitely familiar of like, I can do it. I can prove to everybody I can do everything because I have a lack of self worth. And so if I prove I can do everything, then I don't need anyone and I won't be codependent. But this situation has been like, you need people. You can't operate on yourself. You can't. Bathe your body or make anything other than a smoothie. Like, it's been a surrender of like it, any part of my ego that's like, no, I got this. It's like, you're going to sit down and shut up and like let yourself be loved and supported. And the gratitude of the people in my life, it's at moments overwhelming of like, not do I deserve this, but thank God. That I have magnetized these humans into my life and they love me enough that when I am at one of my most, most vulnerable moments, physically and emotionally, they're there for me no matter what. And that if we talk about what really matters in life, really at the core, these are the kind of things that are at the highest on our list of the things that matter most in life of we have relationships we cultivate and nurture, as you said, Whitney, of when someone we love is suffering or struggling, we, we are there for them. You know, I mean, that is a kind of power. And I don't mean power as in like strength. I mean, power as in that depth of connection is something that nothing can buy. Nothing can buy that kind of connection. And I am just, I'm blown away by the good fortune that I have these people in my life that have been caring for me in so many different ways. And, and, you know, it, it's been tough. I mentioned earlier to you, Whitney, about why I was so angry a few days ago. And I feel like that, you know, the story has another layer that we haven't shared, which is I was scheduled for surgery two days ago on Thursday, right? So I went in. So a little bit of timeline, had the accident on Sunday, saw the orthopedic surgeon on Wednesday. Orthopedic surgeon had scheduled me the next day for a titanium plate and screws to rebuild my clavicle. And so he said, you need to get a COVID test first. It's what's required by the hospital. I'll go get COVID test. I drive to the hospital. Laura drives me to the hospital. The next morning, we leave at like 5:30 a.m. I get to the hospital, and there's somebody waiting outside there. Like you, Jason. I'm like, how'd you know? And they said, yeah, you got to wait here. And then they sent a hospital representative down and said, did you get the message from the surgeon? I said, no. I, it's 5:30 a.m. I'm, I turn my my phone on. They said, you tested positive for COVID. Now, you want to see a meltdown? I had a motherfucking meltdown outside of that hospital a motherfucking meltdown because I'm not sleeping. I have insomnia. I'm in an intense amount of pain. It's 6am. I'm thinking I'm going to get surgery that day, right? And they're like, you have COVID, we can't do the surgery. So fast forward, I'm like, calling, texting everyone I've seen, because I had a COVID test 10 days prior when I arrived back from Detroit and it was negative, right? So I had hung out with Laura, my girlfriend, my mentor, Michael, my friend, Alex, and like three other friends, four other friends, right? So I had seen like 10 people total since I had gotten back, socially distanced, being responsible, but nonetheless saw 10 people, right? So then it was like, oh God, surgery got canceled. I had a COVID test. You need to get tested, blah, blah, blah. Interesting thing. The plot, as the Germans say, the plot sickens, Yeah. everyone's tests started to come back negative, Whitney. Everyone's. Everyone's, my test negative, test negative, test negative. So I went yesterday and I got two tests from two different facilities. And guess what? Both of the tests were negative. So now I'm thinking that the test I had Wednesday that the surgery got canceled was a false positive. Now I'm like, okay, I'm angry because this feels like negligence to me now. If you canceled my surgery which was potentially out of a false positive, if I went yesterday and got, first of all, 10 days ago, a negative test, yesterday, two negative tests, but yours on Wednesday was positive, something's fishy here. I'm not saying anyone's doing anything intentionally, but the rage I was feeling when I talked to you two days ago was having my surgery canceled as I showed up and being like, what do you mean? I have I have no symptoms. So the reason I went yesterday to get these two tests was like, I need to be, I need to see for sure if, not for sure, I don't know, but I need the evidence stacked in my favor that Wednesday was a false positive, right? So I'm doing all of this because I want to have all my bases covered, right? So unfortunately, I'm still waiting for surgery. I'm sitting here in pain waiting for surgery because they don't have any openings in the OR, the operating room, till next Thursday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I still have six more days to wait for surgery, which psychologically, that's I don't even want to think about it. But I have to go again for another COVID test because the operating room won't accept a COVID test that is more than 72 hours prior to the scheduled surgery. So I have to go for another one Monday. So this whole thing has added another layer of complexity and frustration and challenge to me getting my body healed because they won't operate on me until I have a negative COVID test. But the negative COVID test I took yesterday, the two that I did, are not going to count because it's more than 72 hours prior to the surgery. Anyway. That is the reason, dear listeners, why I was raging the other day. Cause I'm like, this is absolute bullshit. I know I don't fucking have COVID. This is a false positive. And I'm pretty confident it was a false positive at this point.
0: Well, it's certainly been a roller coaster for you, Jason, and and an interesting one. It's gonna be an interesting story, and you know, to come to the other side of it and have that perspective of Just kind of, I don't know, noticing how crazy it's all been as a, you know, we can do when we're out of a situation versus in the situation. And granted, you're still in it because you haven't had the surgery yet. So that'll certainly add to the story. And I look forward to hearing about how that went and hope that it does go smoothly. And hopefully, talking about all of these things today keeps you in your strength, you know, because you are going to need that. The surgeries might not be easy. Hopefully, it'll go smoothly, but that doesn't mean that it will be easy. It might be uncomfortable. And you've never uh, had anesthesia, I know, is one <laughs> one thing. So um, it certainly is just going to be another part of the the journey. The roller coaster has not pulled into the station and you've not unbuckled and walked away yet. But at least we have some positivity in the world as we started off with this episode on. And, you know, the COVID is just a complicated thing. And and we're certainly not out of the woods with that either. We've, We've got a lot to do. And things are actually... And, you know, kind of like your personal situation, Jason, it seems like they might be getting worse before they get better. And it's really tough. I mean, I've actually had a hard time today because there's this desire within me to want to celebrate publicly. And I think a lot of us have experienced the urge to socialize more and to go back to the way things were. And I just saw some footage of a friend at a, you know, celebratory outing in a part of los angeles and you've been seeing this on the news too Uh, there's a lot of people out in the streets that are celebrating it's really exciting but gosh this footage i just saw was of these two celebrities i mean i might as well say who they are because it's not a secret it was uh christy Teigen and and john legend right john legend i'm saying his name right jason
1: yeah yeah it's john legend what did you what did you think it was lejon i
0: (laughs) just i just it was one you know sometimes you say something out loud and you're like is that that person's name? What's that person's name, right? Anyways, yes. John and Christy were on a... Or Chrissy. See? I knew that wasn't right. Chrissy Teigen. Now I'm second guessing everything that I'm saying. John and Chrissy were, or currently are, I think, because this is semi-recent, up on a car or something that's moving slowly through West Hollywood, shaking people's hands without masks on. And (laughs) I'm sitting there thinking... OK, like, did everyone forget that we're still in a pandemic? Like,
1: dude, dude, like, reg- oh, my God. Mm. I don't know why this activates me so much. You sharing that, Whitney, but it does. And it, it maybe because I just went through like, like, OK, Whew. the reason that triggers me so much is because you don't know the ripple effect of your actions. And what I mean by that is like, I believe I had a false positive this week again, because it was bookended by one negative test the positive test, and then two negatives, right? It was like four tests, three were negative, one was positive. So which leads me to believe, can't conclude, pretty sure it was a false positive. But the reality is I got the positive test. I had to call all of these people and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I got a COVID test. I can't believe this is happening. What fucking hell are we in? Can you please go get tested? Right? But not only that, Not only the people I've been in contact with, them texting their friends and who they'd been in contact with to encourage them to get tested, right? So just my one, what again, what I believe is a false positive because I tested negative and every single person I texted has also tested negative. It was the ripple effect of texting them, worrying about their safety, worrying about their health, and then their extended circles of friends and family having to get tested, right? So whether you believe this is, quote, real or... 5g or media or whatever there's a trillion different interpretations just be mindful of the ripple effect of the action that is happening because what you may believe or how you're affected by this thing may not be how other people are affected by it and i saw the chaos that ensued from my positive test right thank god everyone's negative including myself but that that one false positive the ripple effect was all i know is like i'm battening down the hatches on what I am doing even more so now, not because I'm afraid of quote, getting it. Okay. But I don't want to negatively psychologically impact the people in my life of thinking that I'm putting them at risk. Does any of that make sense?
0: For sure. And it's a tricky thing. And I, I mean, it's interesting because I remember during the Black Lives Matter protests and rallies and marches and all of the positive things that were happening it felt really important for us to go out to the streets and participate in that despite the pandemic. But I certainly felt uncomfortable being around that many people. And I made some decisions that I wondered might have a really negative effect on me or others. And we never know for sure, but it doesn't seem like there were any major cases attributed to those marches and rallies and everything else that was happening, which is really remarkable. But then we saw that super spreader event that happened recently during the nomination of Amy. See, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm always afraid to mispronounce people's name. Amy Comey Barrett. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. I, I would have said Amy Coney Barrett, I think, but it's Comey, yes?
1: Yeah, like homie with a C. <laughs> okay.
0: See, now I now I won't forget it. Anyways, that super spreader event was such a big deal. And, and a lot of those people were being mocked for their decisions. But if we look within our own lives, like a lot of us have made those decisions. Some, Not all of us. Some people are still full on quarantining and haven't seen anyone. Some people have barely left their home since March, which is truly remarkable. And certainly for me traveling, it was a lot of daily reflection on my actions. And there were moments where I Really question what I was doing, you know, especially this past week because a family member of mine actually has COVID. He has symptoms, he was tested positive, people around him tested positive. It is like full on no doubt COVID that he's experiencing. Another person I know tested positive and I believe has some symptoms. And then you tested positive. So three people in in the same week, although your negative results kind of negate that. But it was a wake up call for me. And I definitely hesitated today. And and who knows? You know, the day's not over. And I, I feel that draw. I feel that FOMO. Like I feel like I should be out in the street celebrating. And this is a historical day. And and yet I don't need to do that. And seeing this video footage of crowds of people that are just shoulder to shoulder, some wearing masks, some not, and then celebrities up there. It just again, it's not meant to shame them. I'm just kind of surprised. I don't know why Chrissy and John felt comfortable going through a sea of Hundreds, if not thousands, of people, and they're not just up there. Jason, in this footage I saw, which came directly from a friend of mine, it's not on the media, it's not fake news. This is real. They're shaking hands with people and not wearing masks. And I know a lot of people have their own strong opinions about masks. I'm personally a big fan of wearing masks, but I'm just shocked that they're touching strangers, and who knows how many people they're touching. And I, I don't really understand like that doesn't make any sense to me and i think the the reason it triggers me is because when we see things like that we begin to feel more comfortable that's how our brains work and i noticed this a lot on my travels that i would feel a certain way of like okay i'm going to wear my mask i'm going to keep the 6 foot distance i'm going to be really careful about washing my hands and Sanitizing and all that stuff. But then I would interact with some people, friends or family members, and I would slowly start to let my guard down. And then I would catch myself and I'd be a little bit more mindful. But then I'd let my guard down again. And that happened time and time again. And I'm waiting for my COVID results, which I just got this morning. Hopefully they're negative. I don't have any symptoms. And I feel like relatively I've been careful. But to your point, Jason, we just don't know. And in hindsight, there's part of me that feels like I was semi on the reckless side. And not only could that have put people at risk, or myself at risk, but also I wonder about the example I'm setting. And I think that's one of the reasons today feels important is I really believe that Joe Biden has set a positive example. And I appreciate that he has been really mindful about wearing his mask and his family has. And seeing that makes me feel like we are going to go in a positive direction. But it is interesting to see people that are supportive of Biden because we we start to associate Republicans with being anti-mask. And that's not always true. We can't make that generalization. But certainly a lot of Trump supporters have been framed as not wearing masks and refusing to wear masks and all of that. And I just think it's interesting that even some of the Democrats, you know, they're not wearing masks and they're they're going into the crowds and they're shaking hands with people and they're doing things because it feels good in that moment. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be at risk. I hope that Chrissy and John and anyone else at, at the events today in Los Angeles and around the country and the world are going to be fine and resilient and they won't get it. But we also need to remember that this is truly risky and cases are on the rise right now. I'm not an expert in this. So we're all just trying to figure it out and do our best and stay up with the information and take it day by day, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is I love what you said about setting an example. And you know, this is maybe a different podcast because I think this is an interesting subject we could dig into maybe for a future episode. But the phrase that, I've been seeing popping up a lot today is character matters. That's a really important thing to meditate on and consider, you know, in the sense of a person's actions and their statements and the consistency in which they do or reiterate their beliefs or viewpoints or policies creates and reflects their character, right? And whether we're talking about the election with with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris winning the new presidential and vice presidential term, or we contrast that with the the previous administration, you know, I have to put aside in my mind, any of the sort of tangential conspiracy theories we've discussed here on the podcast. If anyone wants to dive into our perspectives on that, we can link to that previous episode in the show notes at wellevator.com. We have talked ad nauseum about our perspectives on those things in depth. But to me, obviously, it's difficult if you don't know a person personally, but I value character I value if a person, and we'll see, you know, again, we'll see what happens in this next term. We don't know exactly how much of his word he will keep, but, you know, in examining what I've examined, I think character does matter. And I'm glad to see that phrase being passed around. And one of the biggest things that brought tears to me today was Van Jones had an amazing two-minute segment. We will link to that also in the show notes that was so moving where he talked about that. He talked about setting examples and he talked about character and he talked about, you know, setting examples for his children. And to me, is anyone going to be perfect? Hell no. You know, no leaders, no CEOs, no senators, no one's going to be perfect. Right. But I think if we choose to vote for and support people, CEOs, corporations, individuals, leaders, artists, whoever we're supporting, like, do we align with their character? This is a really important question, you know? I mean, it really resonates. And I think, like I always say, you know, we we vote with our vote, but we vote with our dollars and we vote with our energy every single day we are alive. So instead of just this one election, I think the next step is really where are we voting with our energy, our focus, our attention, our money? Like, how are we voting with that? I think that's the other layer we really need to be mindful moving forward with, Whitney. I certainly want to be more mindful of it.
0: And I think that key word is mindfulness. You know, we're we're all figuring this out, and <laughs> Evie apparently is ready to be uh, part of the conversation. And uh, I want to be mindful about her, so I think that's our that's my cue to <laughs> wrap things up. Did you hear her bark, Jason?
1: Yeah, it sounded like a little baby puppy bark.
0: <laughs> it, it was a baby puppy bark, I think. But yeah, I think that mindfulness is so incredibly key and it's certainly <laughs> the puppy barks continue. So I, I'm gonna need to go tend to her. But I I we're all just trying to figure this out. We're all doing our best. We're all, you know, taking it day by day and and noticing our judgments and our reactions to things is is really the best way to take charge in my opinion.
1: That's really well said, Whitney, as as we wrap this This episode up because Evie is definitely our our sounding board for time. I did want to read something really quickly to wrap, kind of in my mind, wrap this all up. When and whether it's been the discomfort of boy waiting for the election results, whether it's been the pain of the last four years, the oppression, the sadness, the rage, the anger, any of the things we have been experiencing collectively as humans, you know, one thing I always return to are some of the the books and the teachings that have grounded me and led me throughout my entire life and. The book that I hold in highest regard that was given to me as a teenager by my mom, we've mentioned it here on the podcast, is The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. And I always return to this book every year and and reread it because it resonates in a different way depending on how, how I've grown and evolved as a person. And he has a very, very, very short passage on pain in this book, and I want to read it as we wrap this. And the passage starts, it says, And a woman spoke, saying, Tell us of pain. And he said, Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Even as the stone of the fruit must break, that its heart may stand in the sun, so must you know pain. And could you keep in your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life? Your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you have always accepted the seasons that pass over your fields. And you would watch with serenity through the winters of your grief. Much of your pain is self-chosen. It is the bitter potion by which the physician within you heals your sick self. Therefore, trust the physician and drink his remedy in silence and tranquility. For his hand, though heavy and hard, is guided by the tender hand of the unseen. And the cup he brings, though it burn your lips, has been fashioned of the clay which the potter has moistened with his own sacred tears. I get chills. I get chills when I read that because it's like... Yeah, it is what it is. I want to leave it there. (laughs) I want to leave it there. So much to come, dear friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us through this episode. Thank you for sending whatever energy to me for my healing. Oh, we have our brands. We have our brand shout outs. Right. Of course. Of course. I was rapping too quickly. Brand shout outs. My goodness. I think we kind of teased it from before, which was uh, the Flora brand that I've been enjoying that I briefly teased, sent me a whole package of plant butters that I'm loving because as previously mentioned, been eating some good food here, including grilled cheese, including some amazing banana muffins that Laura baked the other day. So we've been using the heck out of this plant butter and it's been baking well. It's been doing awesome in terms of stir fries and cooking just even on an amazing loaf of sourdough she got from the farmer's market. So shout out to Flora, your amazing new plant butter. If y'all have not tried it yet, think it's probably in stores. I haven't checked yet, but we will definitely link to the website in the show notes for this episode. So that's my shout out for the week. What you got? What you got in the co Well,
0: I'll do my best to share while Evie is a little verbally on edge at the moment. So hopefully she won't be too loud. A few brands, actually. I mean, I have a ton. I still want to address my road trip back to Los Angeles, but we have a bunch of episodes planned for the next few weeks. So I'll just like dip in and out whenever it makes sense to bring it up. And then maybe we can do a full episode like I did of On My Way Back East. Because certainly my trip from East to West was a whole different experience, especially during this time of not only COVID, but the election and what that felt like around the country. So stay tuned. That's a really good reason for you, the listener, to subscribe to the show if you haven't yet, because we have a lot coming for you. We have a special announcement coming up. We have our one-year anniversary coming up. There's a lot and wonderful guests. I mean, gosh, some of the next guests that we're recording with for upcoming episodes are really, really incredible. And I'm really thrilled to have them on. But for now, one, I'm just going to give a very brief shout out to, because I just tried it today, but I'm probably going to give a more in-depth shout out to later on, which I've had more experience with it. And that is Nutiva's Vegan Ghee which I saw in Deborah's natural market in Massachusetts. I I think I mentioned this before, one of my favorite markets in the country. And And now I can really confidently say that because I've driven so much, I've traveled a lot. It's rare to find a really good natural market And I went to a few on this trip, but Deborah still stands out as being one of the best. And I saw Nutiva's vegan ghee on the shelf. And then a few days later, someone from the Nutiva team reached out. They also sent me their new squeezable coconut oil packets, meaning like it's in a really great packaging. And so I'm going to play around with that. But I tried some of the ghee today, and I don't think I've ever consciously had ghee because I didn't even really know what ghee was until after I went vegan. But I must have had it, I'm sure, in like some Indian dishes or something like that. And I've been curious about ghee for a while. And it was really interesting to see that Nutiva came out with this. It's a blend of a few different oils, I believe. Again, I'm just like, Experiencing it for the first time today, but I put it into soup. I had some of Amy's soup, which I've been eating a lot of recently because they've also sent me some. I've been blessed to receive a lot of these samples, as, as Jason and I mentioned. We're often sent these from brands, and I got really into Amy's soup during the pandemic and on my road trip, and it's wonderful this time of year. I had like I think like a kale quinoa soup of theirs, and I just thought, hmm, I wonder what this would taste like with this ghee in it because I didn't have anything else to put the ghee on yet. And It actually was really good. Like it has a very distinct flavor. And I'm looking forward to spreading that onto some bread when I get some soon. So more on that ghee to come. But the big brand I wanted to shout out, my main shout out is to Clever, who makes these wonderful superfood adaptogen probiotic boosted lattes. They sent me their coffee superfood latte because I wanted a really convenient way to have coffee on my road trip. And I actually have a few different types of coffee. I have like some instant coffees that were like kind of mediocre, but Clever's blend is awesome. Not only does it have superfoods in it, which includes ashwagandha, lion's mane, and reishi or reishi. I never know how to pronounce that. Those are really good for reducing stress. So that ties in today's episode, boosting your mood, sharpening your focus. There's probiotics in it, which I'm, I'm really curious to read more about how that works because it seems contradictory that you would have probiotics in hot water that you need to use to make this blend. So I'm interested to see like how do those probiotics survive that temperature? I'm not sure. But what's really sold me on this blend from Clever is that it has coffee as well as powdered oat milk and powdered coconut cream. And then they use monk fruit to sweeten it. And that's it. They don't add any other sugar. I mean, the coconut cream and the oat milk have natural sugars and sweetness, but it's really light. It's 100% vegan. It's really delicious. I had it a ton on my road trip and I also had some today so that I didn't need to go get some fresh coffee elsewhere after my long trip. So it's wonderful for travel. It's wonderful just to have it home to make something really quickly. You can turn it into that hot latte. You can put it on ice. You can also blend it with a milk of your choice to make it taste extra decadent. But honestly, as it is, it's absolutely lovely. And it was so wonderful to have on my road trip. Oh, and Jason, since you're not a big coffee fan, I should mention they don't just make coffee lattes. they have a matcha latte, a chai latte, and a golden milk latte. So you can really choose your beverage of choice and still get all the amazing other ingredients that they have and convenience of it all.
1: Well, I need to get hooked up with some of those other other versions then because that sounds that sounds right up my alley. And I'm mostly kind of like drinking liquids during this healing phase. I'm just drinking a lot of like tea and smoothies and broths. And so, yeah, the more superfood beverages I can get in my body right now, the better. Definitely.
0: <laughs> I just have to share the behind the scenes. <laughs> this is just too amusing not to share. <laughs> <laughs> we use um, a text-based chat to communicate because we're not in the same. It's not in this. Well, we're not the same person if you haven't figured that out already. But we're not in the same place. We haven't been since COVID. And we've been using this amazing platform called Zencaster to record virtually, which has actually been really incredible. And I wonder if we will go back ever to recording in person because it's been so wonderful, so easy. The quality sounds great. I don't know. I mean, I enjoy doing podcasts in person, especially with our guests because they feel more connected. But I've also been really amazed at how easy it's been through this platform and our whole system. And so in addition to recording audio we also have this chat where Jason and I communicate every once in a while if somebody forgot to mention something or we want to be more intentional and we were just having like a little chat debate about who was going to wrap up the episode and both of us got very quiet waiting for the other person to
1: do that i'm going to pass the baton to you because i'm i'm going to use the i'm going to use the i don't feel good card right now Well, I was hoping that you
0: would do it in like one of your baby voices.
1: I don't feel good. I hurt. I need a cookie. (laughs) I need cookie. I did good job today. Give cookie
0: but i don't I don't buy it because you're here you are laughing, and oh. you've you've talked for almost two hours. know I, so. I,
1: I, I am I am exhausted though energetically from from talking <laughs> for two hours. That's why I was like, please just wrap like I like full disclosure i'm my energy's low because I'm you know dealing with this thing. so like right around, like, yeah. Anyway,
0: you're hitting your your breaking point, yeah, and yeah. no, I get it. I we were supposed to record with a guest today, and that uh, got rescheduled. And I was actually really grateful for that because <laughs> I'm still kind of recovering from my trip and noticing my energy and trying to honor that. And you're recovering in all sorts of different ways, Jason. And it's also just been a it's a heavy day, a heavy conversation we just had. There's there's a lot. It's it's tough sometimes to end these episodes because it feels like work to end them, <laughs> and yet uh, we can carry on in joyful moments but when when it comes to getting down to business it feels like more work but you know what let's make this easy we've talked about take charge a lot during this episode and that's really the big thing that we want to end with here is to encourage you to download a copy of it and we're going to be editing it so once the newer version is done we'll we'll send that out to you but you can download the 2019 version as of right now and maybe by the time you listen to this the 2020 version or 2021 version will be complete and we want to remind you that we have a lot coming towards you soon. So as I said, great guests. We have some announcement coming up. We're always trying to work on some new things. We have something special we want to do during the holidays and to celebrate our one-year anniversary with the show. So we just are always trying to entice you to stay tuned and be part of this community because we are really grateful for you and we want to fill your lives up with value. So again, you can find all of our information, the eBooks that we've talked about, the show notes for the episode, the links to the brands we've mentioned, our social media handles, our email address, if you want to get in touch privately or publicly, everything is at wellevator.com, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You'll find links to all the different podcast platforms we're on and and wherever you're listening, you can hit the subscribe button. If you're on iTunes, you can also leave us a review and we love reading those. We are so grateful for them. They help other people find our show because it kind of works in the podcast algorithm to boost us up and help us reach more listeners all simply by submitting a few lines and clicking on the stars and letting other people know what you think of the show, which in turn shows us what you think. And we love getting your feedback. So however you'd like to connect with us and spread the word, we are so grateful. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for being part of this conversation, even if we haven't heard your voice yet. Just energetically being here with us today is is really contributing in wonderful ways. And we always want to acknowledge you for that. So we look forward to chatting with you again. We have new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Friday are our guest episodes. We'll continue on with this Take Charge series for a few more episodes and then we have something special at the end of that. So stay tuned and we'll be back real soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.